And how many of you love the Lord this morning? You know why we love Him? If we love Him right, it's because He first loved us. Love motivates love, right? And uh, thankful for that. Appreciate all of you being here this morning and uh, thankful we have the Bible. I'm glad that you're not here just to hear a speech. You know, when you listen, you come to church, you um, are in a different mindset. You should be in a different mindset than just hearing a speech. Uh, this is a message from God's Word. And, uh, you know, we know that the Bible is a love letter from God to us. Amen. And uh, I'm thankful that He loves us. And because He loved us, we ought to love Him. We'll talk a little bit about that this morning. But would you open your precious Bible this morning? And I'm even going to ask all the folks here... Uh, Make sure you bring your Bible to church, uh, even if you're not able to be here in this place. I would encourage you. We live in a different day. Uh, we have online members. Uh, even some are watching in the hospital this morning. Uh, we have some in other states, but I would even ask that you get your Bible out and follow along and uh, look, at your, look at your copy of the Word of God. I think it's so very important. And, you know, when I... Uh, ask you to open your Bible. I, I, I got in a habit on purpose. I used to say turn in your Bibles, but I think it's even more precious to open your Bible, and it is precious, isn't it? And we ought to view it that way. So I always ask you to open your precious Bible. You say, well, pastor, it's really not precious. There are a dime a dozen in America. Well, they might be a dime a dozen in America, but you do, you do understand in other countries they are very precious. We support the Bible Fund through Help Ministries, and uh, we just had our board meeting last week, and uh, it's amazing people that are wishing and uh, hoping they can get the Bible. Uh, we have men in Africa that are pastors, and they're pastoring the church, and there's only one Bible in the whole church, and it's theirs. And so if someone asks to borrow his Bible, uh, they'll have to let those folks borrow the Bible and read it for just a few hours and get it back because he has to have it to preach. Now you say, Pastor, that really doesn't happen. It happens. It doesn't happen here. How many of you have several Bibles at home? You have several Bibles. See, we, so we look at it like, ah, we take it for granted. But the Bible is precious. So we're going to open up our Bible this morning, our precious Bible. I want you to follow along with me in the Gospel according to Luke. Gospel according to Luke. And we're going to begin reading in chapter 10. And we're going to look in verse 38. Not going to read a lot this morning, but most of you that are aware of what's going on here, the Lord Jesus Christ is in the middle of his earthly ministry. And we know, if any of you are aware of characters in the Bible, we think of uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We know that as two sisters and a brother. And we know that Lazarus is the gentleman that died later. Not here. This is where he first meets Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But later on in Scripture, later on in the Lord Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, Lazarus died. He actually died. And Mary and Martha called for the Lord. And the Bible said he waited three days to come. And there's a lot of teaching on that. But he loved these people. And we're going to find out right here in this chapter as we look, not only he loved them, but how much they loved him. <laughs> so let's look in chapter 10 of the Gospel according to Luke. Look at verse number 38. And uh, the, the Word of God teaches us even before this that he's teaching. 
And we know that he just got done teaching the parable in the Good Samaritan. So now, notice where the Lord Jesus is. The Bible says in verse 38, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha, notice this, received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also, notice this, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him, came to the Lord, and said, Lord, dost thou not, can that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning. I pray the Holy Spirit of God will speak to our hearts, do what I cannot do. Speak to our hearts and help us to apply what you want us to apply to our lives that we might be better. And closer to thee, we'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is a passage of scripture that we read, and sometimes if you just read it too fast, you just think, well, the Lord Jesus entered into these people's house, and uh, one of them was busy serving and working, and the other one was just sitting at his feet. And the Lord kind of rebuked Martha for just working so hard. That's not what he did. That's not what just happened in this passage of Scripture. There's a lot of things that we can pull out of this passage that can be very helpful to us. Now, first of all, I want to say I find something beautiful here. I find something marvelous here of the personality and the atmosphere of this home. And that's what I want to preach on this morning is the atmosphere of a Christian home. The atmosphere of a Christian home. When you walk in this church today, there is an atmosphere that greeted you. That is based upon the personality of each individual in this church. But there is also an atmosphere in this church. I believe that we have a friendly church. Would you agree? I believe if you walk in this church, you'll realize that there is an atmosphere. When you walk in this building, you know there's something different about this building. There's something different about the personality of this place. Now again, the atmosphere of a church, the atmosphere of a workplace, the atmosphere of a home uh, is directly related to the individual's personality and attitude about life. And when we think about this, I see the atmosphere of this home, I am reminded and some things are brought out to, 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 to show that I've really just picked up on that I want to just, what's helped me, I want to help you with. And I hope and pray that we have the kind of atmosphere in our home that we find right here. Now I want you to think about something. I am a father. I have two children. I am now, God help us, a grandfather. Whew, that hurt just saying it. A pawpaw, and uh, we have. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a husband. I'm, I'm a brother. I'm an uncle. I'm a pastor. And in all of the realms of my life, of where I am, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I desire for you to have a Christian home. 
I have always, we have always desired to have a Christian home. And I think it is a beautiful thing when the atmosphere and that home is just as beautiful as we find in this pastor's scripture. I want you to notice this example. We read of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. There are two sisters and a brother. So I want to just say to you this morning, maybe I want you to notice the example. He mentions two brother, or two sisters, one brother. And uh, someone might say here, well, that's okay. I understand. This is talking about the atmosphere of a Christian home. But I, my children are no longer in my home. I'm not married. Uh, I don't have a brother that lives with me. Doesn't matter. You live in a place and you ought to desire to have a Christian home. There's a difference between having a home and a Christian home. And that does not mean that it, there's many people in that room or in that house or dwells in that building. If you're there and you're a Christian, it ought to have the right atmosphere about it. And so I want to say sometimes in Home Improvement Month, some might say, well, that doesn't really relate to me. To be honest, all of God's Word relates to us. And by the way, our circumstances many times change. And we ought to be prepared for the next step, the next level, the next change. And by the way, uh, you know, I know, and Miss Kaylee, please forgive me. Uh, I'm trying not to embarrass her, but she's just good ground to do it with. And I'm not embarrassing her. She's certainly not embarrassed. When you get hit with the love bug, you don't care. I mean, if you really have it, you don't care. You like to hear about it. You like to laugh about it. And you even like for other people to know that you got it. Am I right, Kaylee? Can I get a witness? And you don't care. But I'm going to be honest with you, she is now 28 years of age, and I'm going to be honest, she has sat in church all of her life, and she has sat and listened to these messages all of her life, and she's been single all the way up until now, and I'm praying she'll stay single. <laughs> but Miss Kaylee would be a fool if she came to church, sat in these pews, and said, what dad's preaching on all of these years have no effect on me because here probably, soon here after a while, a long while, that's probably going to change. Possibly. You say, well, I'll tell you right now, this message isn't for me. It will be. It will be. And I think we all ought to be prepared for what God has for us in our stages of life. And by the way, I'm 48 years of age and I can promise you this, one thing is always constant and that is change. Circumstances change, people change, things change, our society changes. I mean, look, everything changes, but I'm thankful God's Word never changes. Amen. And what's true a thousand years ago is still true today and God's plan, no matter how good it was a thousand years ago, it's still good today and I want you to know His principles, you cannot improve on them. Amen. So I want to just talk to you a little bit this morning about an atmosphere of a Christian home. Can I just say, we find in this passage that a Christian home is a home in which the Lord Jesus is welcomed. Amen. He's welcomed. Notice what the Bible says in verse 38. said, Martha, there was a certain woman named Martha. Here's what the Bible says. Received him into her house. He was welcome. 
He was welcome. Could you imagine if I came to the door and I knocked on your door and uh, you were busy? I knocked on your door. And by the way, today is totally different than years ago. You was expecting people to knock on your door years ago, but today there's just a difference. You know, many people don't knock on doors. Neighbors, we're neighbors, but we're not like neighbors like we used to be neighbors. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Times change, and so now because of fear and because of, uh, you know, uh, certain things that are taking place in society, if someone's at home, they don't want to be bothered, they might not even answer the door. But if I came and knocked on your door, and you looked out there and said, oh my goodness, there's preacher. And so you come out to the door, you open that door and say, hey pastor, you're not welcome here. You're not welcome in here because I just want you to know, I believe whatever you're peddling, whoever you are, I don't think you'll be very good for my home. You're not welcome here. Now, you know what would take place there. My heart would be hurt. Because I would think, my soul, especially if you're a church member, I wouldn't expect that I wouldn't welcome there. Now, look, by the way, I have knocked on doors before and I've realized it's not been a good time. And I understand that. But if someone would just come to the door and look at me and say, hey, you're not welcome here, that would be a totally different story, wouldn't it? And we find in this passage that here, it seems like the Lord just met these people, just met these two sisters and brother. But here's what's amazing. I believe they knew Jesus. They had heard about Jesus. They had watched Jesus. And so when he came, they welcomed him into their home. Can I ask you a question? Is he welcomed in your home? Is he welcome? Do you have the desire? And by the way, if he's welcomed in your home, you must have a desire for him to be there. I'm speaking to families that have categorized our whole lives. And by the way, you say, Pastor, how do you know this happens? Because I did it for years. As a teenage boy, I categorized my life. Do you all want to know how I categorized my life? I categorized my life as at home, at school, Then when I got older, it was work. And then the only really time that Jesus got in my life was church day. He was categorized and put in this little box. Okay, now it's church time. So as a teenage boy, I would leave my home and I would go over and I'd put my church hat on. Symbolically speaking, I wouldn't put an actual hat on. But I would walk over there to that house because, by the way, my mother made sure I was there. And I would go in and I would sit down and I knew on that Sunday from 9.30 to 10 and then from 11 to 12 that that was the part of my life that I gave to God. Then when I left that church building that day, you know what I did? I went right back to the house and I put my house hat on. And then when I was at school, I put my 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 school hat on. And here's what I did. I learned how to categorize my life. But I'm going to tell you what changed my life when I realized the Lord Jesus should be all of my life. There is no categorization. Oh, that's church day. No, every day is the Lord's day. My home should be open to Him every moment, every day. And I'm afraid we are welcoming everything into our homes to influence us and we're leaving the Lord Jesus outside the door or we're leaving Him to meet Him right here on Sundays if we're lucky enough to come. Now what we do is we teach our teenagers... The church is just a church day and church time is just a church time and a ministry is just a ministry time. But the truth is the Christian life is 24-7. 24-7. 
And by the way, my mother and father, they tried to help me. And my sister, uh, obviously, they helped her more than they did me. She needed more help. Can I get a witness? I see you back here peeking. And if I was to sit down and talk with Kim about our home, there's no doubt about it, there are a few things in our home that I grew up in that her and I both would speak very fondly and very clearly about that affected our lives. There was an atmosphere, a spirit. Our home was not perfect growing up. My home, Laura and I, and Kaylee and Clay's home has not been perfect all through these years. But I want you to know something. In all of my life, I know what an atmosphere of a Christian home should be. And it is one where the Lord Jesus Christ is not only welcomed, but He's there. Christ should be more visible in all of our areas of life, but certainly in our home life. Is He welcomed in your home, or do you just have time for Him at church? You say, Pastor Mark, that's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. A Christian home is where in which the Lord Jesus is welcomed there. Number two, we find in this passage a Christian home is a home in which the Lord is loved and He's honored. Notice the Bible in verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone come in here today and I'm standing up here in this pulpit and someone came up and, and gave obeisance unto me and basically got down on their hands and knees and started worshiping me, I'm going to be honest with y'all, that would make me uncomfortable. The reason that would make me uncomfortable because I don't believe that I ought to be honored that way in that person's life. I appreciate their kindness. I appreciate their thought. But I know who I am. I don't deserve that place of honor, especially if it was someone that I did not know. But here, the Lord Jesus walked into this home and obviously these, this, this woman, Mary and Martha, Oh, how they loved him. Because you're not going to give obeisance and honor someone that you don't love. Now, actually, do you know what the custom would be if our president would walk through those doors and come down this aisle? Out of respect, I would encourage you and I would lead you in standing for him and giving him a round of applause. Out of respect for him as our president, we all would stand. Now that would be your choice, but I would lead by example in that and stand and I would give him an applause out of respect for him. But I want to tell you something right now. If the Lord Jesus Christ walked in this door today, not a one of us would stand and give an applause. We would hit the ground as low as we could be because we know who he is and we know who we are. And we would fall on our hands. We would fall on our face because of why? The one who just gave us everything. The one who loved us and gave us salvation. Out of that love and respect and honor, we couldn't get low enough. Oh, 
Where is our love and our honor for the Lord Jesus? Is He loved in your home? Has mom and dad taught the children? Oh yes, children, youngins, here's why we love the Lord. Because He first loved us. Have you ever shared your testimony with your children? Say, hey, I want you to know we're not what we should be. But thank God we're certainly not what we should, what we could have been. I can't help but I think, I don't think this will bother him, Mr. Corey. I don't think you'll mind me talking about you just a moment, giving a little bit of a testimony. I mean, many, many, many years ago, it's been, what, 10 years ago now, they came to our church, at a, uh, and Mr. Lincoln, you were small. You, you were the reason why they came. They wanted you to come. And uh, we had a, a thing out on, the, out on the parking lot, and they came, and, and it just got them convicted. They started coming to church. They started coming faithfully. And man, Corey realized he wasn't saved. And it was late one night. Miss Deanna calls and said, hey, Corey doesn't know for sure if he's saved or not. And man, we went over there to his home and we had the privilege to be able to show him how to be saved. He trusted Christ as Savior. And I know, I know, I know just by watching. And we can say that time and time again. But I know the whole home changed because dad got saved. You say, what does that mean? Well, when you realize that somebody loves you enough to save you, I want you to know something. If you don't love him here this morning yet, something's wrong with you. I mean, here, the God of heaven loved us enough to not send somebody else. It's easy for me to say, I said something to someone the other day. I said, well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not hard spending somebody else's money. Somebody say amen. Our government does a real good job with that. I mean, it's not hard. You know, we took all them teenagers that time over to that camp. And, you know, people gave them money. And it was amazing. One of them boys said to me, I was like, well, man, he was going to the canteen every little bit. I said, man, then he come up to me before the camera. He said, Pastor Mark, he said, you got any more money? I looked at him. I said, man, I said, we took up an offering for you. I said, the church gave you $50. He said, yeah. He said, I'll just tell you right now. He said, you know what I did? I just bought everybody here. He said, I bought all the counselors. He said, I bought everybody a treat. I said, well, you told me one thing. It's certainly not hard spending somebody else's money. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The Lord Jesus didn't spend somebody else's money. He gave Himself. If I had the power to do it, say, oh, I want to help you. I want to, I want to make sure you get saved. And here's what most of us are doing. i tell you what now. We're not going to put ourselves out. We'll pay somebody else to do that. No, the Lord Jesus paid the price Himself. And I don't know about you, but because He did, I ought to love Him for it. After all He's done for us, and I want you to know something, in this home, He was loved and He was honored. Can I ask you men something? And I'm not being ugly, but I know men today, and I've known men all my life, I truly believe that that's changed a little bit. But you know, back in the older days, it was hard to get an older man to say, I love you. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. We had some older men here. We still have some older men here. But I'm just going to say this. I, you know who I miss? I miss Charlie Nicholson. I miss a lot of our older men, but Charlie Nicholson, man, he, if you ever was around him, he just, he was rough. He, he, he could speak rough, he could, he could get gruff, and he could be a little grouchy. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? But I'm going to be honest with you, man, I, I have spent so much time with him, and, and, and we would start, and, for, and I believe, I, I'm, swear, I, I'm telling you this, I would tell him I love you so much, and on the first end of that thing, Charlie would say, same here now, same here. 
Same here. You know, but the first few times, it was like he, he, he just walked away. He didn't know what to say. I'd say, I love you. I sure do love you, Brother Charlie. But then it got to doing this. I'd say, I love you, Brother Charlie. Same here now. Same here now. Same here now. But then just a few weeks before he died, I'd say, Brother Charlie, I sure love you. I'd say, I love you, Brother Mark. And can I just help every older man here just a second? You're not a wimp telling people you love them. Amen. By the way, people ought, to, people ought to know you not only say it, but you ought to show it. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Can I just ask this? How, many, how in the near future has there been men in this church that just went to their family and said, I just want you all to know I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. Oh, I know, dads, they, I know they know we love our bows and they love our guns and they love our car. They know that we love our cars and they know we love our golf clubs and I know they know that we love our fishing rods and, and, and they know they, and, and, and my children know that I even love my whole little hunt section down there, my fishing section, because I go down there just every little whip stitch, make sure all of it's where it needs to be. I have my own little corner in my basement with all my hunting and fishing stuff. And my children know very well, Kaylee knows on her birthday that I have to either choose to come to her birthday party or go turkey hunting. Look, I want you all to know something, men, and I'm just preaching to men just for a minute because I is one. I know our families know what we love, but I'm going to tell you something right now. We've done our families a great disservice when they think we love a gun, we love a car, we love our job, we love everything else more than we love Jesus. Our children need to know that we're men of God, that we are not scared to say, I love the Lord. And why do I love Him? Because He loved me. (laughs) We're hearing a lot about revival. I'm not going to get into all of it, but I will say this. The first thing when something starts to move, and I understand, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I do know that there is error out there. I am not condoning error. But I really hate the first time when something starts to happen that the first thing that starts is people start nitpicking stuff to death. I understand all of that, but I'm just saying, I'm going to say this about revival. If true revival broke out, it would scare half of us. Because if you've ever read about true revival in the history of other countries and even here, there were strange things that took place that couldn't be explained. But one thing that is true, genuine revival, a result of true, genuine revival, is that people fall in love with Jesus more. They're not scared of it. They're not scared to say, oh, how I love Jesus. Do you know that even the great Welsh revival in the early 1900s, we've read a lot about the Welsh revival, but do you know what historians tell us what really was the beginning and the start of the movement of the Welsh revival with Evan Roberts and millions of people being saved? I mean, I want you to know something. Bars and, and gentlemen's things closed down. That whole country changed because of that great revival in the first century or first part of the 1900s. Can I tell you where historians tell us where that started? With a group of young people. This is a good little application for all of you young people in here today. If you're a teenager, if you're young. Oh, everybody that you are walking around, being around. They know what you love. They know what you 
enjoy about life. But there was a meeting that was taking place in the church and Pastor Joshua was the man there preaching and he was leading this little group of young people and he just was talking to them. He was just talking to them and saying, oh, what does the Lord Jesus Christ mean to you? And he said a couple of boys stood up and said, oh, I love the Lord or blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's the Savior of the world. And So Pastor Joshua looked over and, and calmed them down and said, no, listen. He said, with all seriousness, he said, I want to know what does the Lord Jesus Christ mean to you? And there was this little girl of 15 years, I shouldn't say little girl, 15-year-old teenager stood up. Her name was Flory Evans. And she stood up and with tears streaming down her face, she said, I just want everyone here to know that I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. And she said, it so moved all of those teenagers. It so moved the pastor. said it was like a holy hush just entered into that building. And from that point until the actual revival started, it was because of, it felt like the little cloud of revival started to hover just because there was a 15-year-old girl had an atmosphere that she loved the Lord Jesus Christ with all her heart and she did not care who knew it. Christian home is one where the Lord is loved. Do you love the Lord this morning? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Can I ask all you young teenage boys, you at school, you know what would be a good blessing? Walk down the hall singing that. You know, when I was a boy in high school, I, I, I'm ashamed to tell you, very few people there knew I was a Christian. I've shared this with you before, but I just looked at his picture in the yearbook the other day. We call him the dart. In West Virginia, Hinton High School, it was the dart. I don't know why it was the dart. That's what we called our yearbooks, but you call them yearbooks. It was the dart. I was looking through our darts the other day, and I seen a picture of this boy, and I've mentioned to you him before, in 10th grade, we had one high school in Summers County, but we had a couple of junior high. They would go up to ninth grade. So in 10th grade, when those people would hit 10th grade at Talkett or at Sandstone, they would be moved to the high school in Summers County, and that's where we were. And so in the 10th grade, a young man by the name of James, I won't give you his full name, but his first name was James, and he came in the 10th grade at Hinton High School. And one thing strange about James, James was a preacher. Now, I had never met a young preacher like that, and I certainly had never met a young preacher in high school. And I'm going to be honest with you, James, this man, this young boy, James, came from Sandstone, and he walked around everywhere he walked telling people that he was a Christian, and that he loved the Lord, and he was called to preach. And do you know what all my friends and myself did? We made fun of him. We made fun of him. You know why I made fun of him? It wasn't because I thought what he was doing wasn't good. I'm going to tell you why I made fun of him. Because it made me feel better. See, I was a Christian and I was too ashamed to even let my closest friends know that I was a Christian. But I want you to know something. In our homes and lives, if we really truly know he loves us, we ought to love him. How many of y'all love him this morning? That needs to be displayed in your home and in your relationships. 
See, motive. What is the motive? Why should we love the Lord? Why? Because out of our love for Him and why, what He's done for us and what all He's done, remember, it's not family. We don't have a Christian home that we love the Lord because we're serving a God that if we don't love Him, He's going to strike us dead. He doesn't do that. We ought to love Him because He first loved us. See, that's the Christian life. It's out of love. It's the greatest. Why? Because we want to please Him. If we love somebody, what? We want to please Him. So a Christian home, the atmosphere is, yes, the Lord is welcome, but not only that, He's love. But number three, I believe a Christian home is a home where all of our troubles, all of our problems, and all of our perplexities, no matter what they are, they ought to be taken to the Lord. Now I want to say that again. I believe a Christian home and the atmosphere of that home, because by the way, trouble will hit your home. Trouble will hit your relationships. Struggle will be there. Sin will have its effect on your home. Sin will have its effect in your relationships. But I'm saying to you, a Christian home's atmosphere is a home where every trouble, every problem, every perplexity will be taken to Him. I want you to notice in verse 40 here, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. Notice what the Bible said, and came to Him. She went to the Lord. She didn't go to her sister. She didn't go over there and say, hey Mary, let me tell you something. Get up off your feet. Get up on your feet. Get up off your knees. I've got a problem with you. You need to help me serve around here. No, she went to the Lord. By the way, that's who she should have went to. By the way, I want to encourage you, I believe a Christian home, we understand whether it's a small problem or a big problem, we know the cure, the remedy, the answer is the Lord Jesus. We ought to take it to the Lord. Your children, your grandchildren need to see some adults that faith God first. They ought to see a husband and a wife or a mama and a papa or a mom and dad. They ought to see them faith the Lord first. You know what we like to do? We like to fix stuff. Oh, I can make a few phone calls here this morning. And man, I sometimes might have something going on. And man, I say, all right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to call so-and-so. And I'm going to say, hey, can we do this or can this be done? But you know what? There's things in life I can't pick up a phone and get somebody to fix it. There's times in my life that I can't fix it. And that bothers us. By the way, health is one of those things. Man, that is the most frustrating thing. When our bodies start to do things that we cannot fix them, it's frustrating. And so many times we say, oh, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give your body to me. I, I, I'm giving my body to you, Lord. I'm asking you to touch my body. Yes, but the Lord deserves more than just health problems. What happens is you have a child and you're concerned about that child. I know that it's easy to go to that child, but how about we go to the one that created your child? I was telling Sharpie and Kendra and Jared here earlier, I mean this, my mother's not perfect, but I will say this, she's been the same woman all my life. If you wonder if she's a real thing, look at me, she's the real thing. You say, oh, you're just covering for her. No, I'm not covering for her. I can tell you some things that she's done wrong. There'd be no purpose in that. But I'm just telling you right now, she's the real thing. 
And you know how I know she's the real thing? Because when I was a little boy, and I was telling this earlier, when I was a little boy, and I know Kim can testify to this, I'm going to tell you why I knew my mother loved me and I knew why she loved the Lord. I'm going to tell you one little small reason because I would come down the steps I don't know how many times as a boy and I would get up early in the morning and I would hear something funny downstairs and I would walk down those steps and look into that living room and she was normally on her hands and knees and she was laid up against a chair and she'd have this piece of paper in her hand and it was a prayer sheet. It was crumpled, it was crinkled and it had stains all over it from her teeth and I can remember many mornings waking up and my mother praying and like I thought something was wrong with her she was travailing in her soul and she went to God many times with tears and she was crying and many times I heard her call my name out and I'm going to tell you something there's something about that that is powerful for all of us children to realize this. If you've got a praying mama, it's hard to outrun their prayers. There was a lot of things, even as a teenage boy, that I didn't do because of the love of my mom. But I want to tell you something. Even greater than that. There ought to be a love that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say a Christian home? And by the way, what did you what was you taught there? Hearing your mother pray. Not only that you had a mom that prayed, but I was taught something else. I knew that all of the problems and things that she was dealing with, she knew that she had to have someone bigger than her that could help us. And I'm afraid we live in a day now where a, maybe a man of the house, he picks up, but I'll take care of this. I'll throw money at this. I'll do this. I'll take care of this. I'll tell you, we're going to take, we're going to cover this. We're going to work through this. No, what children need to know is a mom and a dad that faith God first. Before their own ability, before what they can do, they need to know, they need to have parents or grandparents that they know, man, my mom and dad are different. We have all these problems at the house, but I'm going to tell you right now, I've watched them go to God, and God has taken care and done things that I would have never dreamed that He could do. See, the Bible says she went to Him. I believe a Christian home, we realize whether small or not, we should go to the Lord first. And our children, our grandchildren need to see some adults that faith God first, that we have confidence in God first, that we have peace in God first. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. When there's a mom and a dad there and they've lived a life and man, they've trusted the Lord and man, there's just something. See what happens there is you pass that on from generation to generation. That's beautiful. Mark, why are you handling that problem like that? Well, that's just the way my parents did it. But that'd be a bad thing to say, well, that's the way my parents did it and I needed some money so you know what I did? I went out and robbed the convenience store. Well, I'll tell you right now, that's the way my parents did it. I'll tell you what they did. They fought like cats and dogs. So bless God, we, that's why we fight like cats and dogs. Would y'all like to have that testimony? 
Or are we training children and say, well, I'll tell you right now, my mom and dad went through a lot of problems. They went through a lot of trouble. But I'm going to tell you something. Something was different about them. So they always just trusted the Lord, even when it didn't make sense to trust the Lord. And you know what's crazy? The Lord just always sustained them. I never went without any food. Now, it might not have been, you know, a ribeye steak, but I mean, we got through. Christian home is a home where all troubles and problems and perplexities are taken to the Lord. Can I say as I close, a Christian home is a home in which every member of the family is saved. They're saved. They're a Christian. Now look, most important part, you can't have a Christian home unless people in it's Christians. See, when you get, when you get saved... The Lord Jesus Christ saves you from your sin and the Holy Spirit of God indwells your body and everything changes. Do you know what one of our struggles is? We we struggle with fellowship and relationship. Now stay with me a moment. You know what? Some people are so very ashamed because of the way we've lived. By the way, I understand that. But if you got saved, your relationship never changes. But most importantly is make sure your relationship, you know it. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you met the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, you know him. Now that doesn't always mean that we've lived right. By the way, there's not one person in this building that has always lived right. There's not one person in this building that doesn't have skeletons in their closet. But I want you to know something. When you get saved, you enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Don mentioned why it's important to come to church. One of the reasons it's important to come to church is so we can keep our fellowship right. See, our relationship never changes. When we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, He becomes my Father. I'm His child. He adopts me. Look, He never gives me away. There's nothing I can do, even though how bad it is, will ever make Him stop loving me, and I'll never stop being His child. But I'll tell you what does happen in our lives. We live in such a way that that fellowship's not very close. And that's most of our problems. I want to encourage you today, a Christian home is where every member of that home is saved. They are a Christian. They know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And by the way, every mom and dad here, your greatest concern should be to make sure that your children are saved. You say, how can I do that? Well, start out with them very young and start praying that when they come to an age of accountability, God, when they come to an age of accountability, would you convict their hearts and would you let them realize that you are their Savior and by faith they'll trust you as their Savior. Can I go a step farther for your children to marry the right kind of person? You ought to be praying even now, even if they're at home and even they're not even nowhere close to getting close to wanting to be married. You ought to be praying all of their life. Say, oh Lord Jesus, will you please prepare the right person for them? You know exactly who they need. And I'm telling you right now, I believe we need some Christians that are absolutely acting like Christians. If you look back through our history and all the great generals and presidents and leaders in our country, I can promise you this. Most of them are traced back to a praying mama. A godly mom or a godly dad. Can I say, we are influencing our generation and your home has more influence than you know. 
I can't help but think I'm looking over here, Mr. Chris Saunders, and I thought about this as I was preparing this message. I thought, look, our home has not always been what it should have been, but I'm going to just say this. Even there's, there's unexpected things that take place. People will enter into your home and enter into your life. And I thought about Chris there for several years. He basically lived with us. He would stay at our home many nights throughout the week. And I thought about this. I, I thought about this, Brother Don. I can walk up to Chris right now and I can look at him and we do it all the time. He says, I love you. And, I, and I'll say it back. I love you. Why? Because I believe there was an atmosphere. There was an atmosphere. And I'm not saying that we've always had that atmosphere, but I'm telling you right now, I desire to have that atmosphere. And I desire for you to have that atmosphere. But if we're going to have this atmosphere as a Christian home, the Lord Jesus is going to have to be welcomed. He's going to have to be loved. All of our troubles and problems are going to have to go to Him. We're going to have to faith Him first. And then I'm going to tell you right now, before it can be truly Christian, everybody in there needs to be saved. So I want to give the invitation. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Mark, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Well, you're in a good place. Because I can promise you right now, this Bible right here will tell you how you can be saved from the guttermost to the uttermost. And we'll have someone take this Bible, they will open it up, and they will read to you what God says. They won't tell you what they think. They'll tell you what God says. And when you get done trusting what God says, I'm going to tell you right now, You can be a child of God today. There ain't nothing like it. How many of y'all are saved say there ain't nobody like him? Can I get a witness? There ain't nobody like him. Do you know him today? Let's stand to our feet. Now this is where it gets serious. You go to a Bible college, you see, you're, you're taught how to preach. But, you know, if you, if you ain't been called to preach, they can't teach you to preach. It's got to be in you. God does that. But they can help you with things. And, by the way, I want to just say this. The invitation is the most important part of a message. That's why it ought to be quiet. That's why people ought not be stirring around. That's why people ought not be moving. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. The message has been given. Now, now, there is an opportunity to do something about it. Now, what's the easiest thing to do is to walk out of this building and not do anything with it. That's the easiest. But where real great change and great power and great miracles take place is when we do something with it. So I want to ask you this morning, how many of you desire to have this kind of atmosphere in your home? Would you raise your hand? then let's ask God to help us. I'm going to ask the men today. I'm going to ask you to lead. You lead. That, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, Men should lead. Men should lead. Lovingly lead. Not dictate. Lead. There's a difference. But men, I'm going to ask. There's an altar down here. How about you grab your wife's hand, your family, come down to this altar and ask God to help you. Help them, help your family to cultivate this kind of atmosphere. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, your Savior, please come forward. We'll have someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. You can enter into a relationship with Him.
Miss Cindy's going to begin to play. Maybe the Lord's touched your heart with something. Would you come this morning, find a place to pray? If you're here this morning, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I beg you, I plead with you, come this morning. We'll have someone take the Bible. They'll show you how to be saved. Take the Bible and show you how to be saved. There's nothing like it. Look, don't look at all your past failures. If all you do is look at your failures, you'll never overcome them. Start now. Say, Lord, help me. I want to love you like I ought to love you. I want you to be welcome in our home. Teach me to come to you with all of my problems, all of my troubles. Help me to trust you. Help me to rest in you. My soul, think about it now. Just think about this past year. Think of the Gilly family getting hit with all of that. I mean, that's all they could do was trust. That's all they could do. That's all they could do. The little boy was there completely at the mercy of doctors and nurses and people they didn't know, but oh, what peace that they had knowing that he was in the hand of God. we got to trust him. We have to trust him, even when we don't feel like it. We have to trust him. We have to take all of our problems to him. He's the great burden bearer. He's the great victory winner. He gives victory, doesn't he? Father, we come to you this morning. We want to thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray this morning that you'll take this word, your word, these principles in this home and apply them to our lives. We'll thank you for what you do. For we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people say it. Can I ask this question? Can I give you a little bit of homework? Two things. Two things. Number one, be back tonight. If you're a parent, you need to be here. Number two, I'm going to ask before you leave here today, I'm going to ask for you to find somebody in this building that's not a family member of yours and go up to them and just say, hey, I want you to know I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. How many of you be willing to do that? Do it. And then when you do that, say, I love you too. All right? And if there's a visitor here, let them know you love the Lord, but tell them, hey, we love you too. We're glad you're here. Please come back. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight. All right now, you got to do it. You got to do it. I love the Lord Jesus, and I love you too.